0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Even though it's been less than 48 hours since our post game show, we're trucking along through this short week and we're back with our game preview for this Thanksgiving matchup between our NFC North leading Chicago Bears versus the Detroit Lions, a team we beat just nine days ago. I'm Russell DeWitt, and to help me preview this week's game are my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano. Fellas, I want to know how was your fourth straight victory Monday?
1: It was awesome. Uh, but I got a question for you. You said we're trucking along. Is it a is it a Mack truck?
2: It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my victory Monday was Goodwill. Uh, always good to have the Bears win. Going to work on that Monday, feeling feeling that victory. How was your victory Monday?
0: Really well. Like even down here in Bloomington, wearing my Bears Bros hat. Sometimes people are like, "Hey, did you watch that game?" I'm like, "Heck yeah, I watched that game." Like Bears fans are coming out. So no matter if you're in the city, if you live away from it these Bears fans have been in hiding for so long. They're coming out and it's a lot of fun to see. It's a lot of, um, it's really interesting to strike up conversations in public about this team. And, you know, I don't really try to self promote the podcast. Sometimes I do if the conversation kind of goes right, but like just to talk about, to team uh, about players, about this team, well, people, I guess I should say about this team. It's a lot of fun, but guys, I want to know are you ready for this week's game preview. Absolutely. Let's do it. Do it. All right. And I just want to let our listeners know that uh, this week's game preview is going to be slightly different, not really entirely different. Um, but since we seriously just had a full week previewing the Detroit Lions, I don't want to rehash a bunch of the same stuff. So here we go. Let's just dive right on in and let's go ahead and begin this preview. And I want to go ahead and start this conversation with the Bears offense because even though it's a unit that Didn't really light things up last week through the year. They played very well against a stout Minnesota defense. And Thursday, they're going to be going back up against the Lions. And in the last game, just in case you forgot, the Bears offense put up over 400 yards and averaged 7.5 yards per play. And I guess we should start this conversation with Mitchell Trubisky. He had one of his best games of the season against the Lions. He went 23 of 30 for three touchdowns, and he played with poise and confidence throughout and was able to hit countless throws for 20-plus. Now, it did come out that Trubisky, uh, he suffered an injury to throwing shoulder against the Vikings, and it doesn't appear to be serious, but of course, you never want to see your quarterback on the injury report. So a few things here, guys. I want to know, what's your level of concern with the shoulder? Is it something that you're worrying about? and how does it change your thoughts about this game? Because Nagy didn't seem overly confident that Trubisky will play. And of course, an injured quarterback on a short week is nothing to take lightly. So Nick, uh, where do you stand on this Trubisky shoulder kind of developing story?
2: Yeah, when I heard Matt Nagy addressing the press conference uh, just watching his body language and how he described the injury to me I know he he's cautious they're cautiously optimistic that he could play on Thursday but I have a feeling that he isn't going to play anytime you have a injury to your throwing shoulder and especially on a short week going against a division opponent one the Detroit Lions are going to want to get you know revenge for how the Bears beat them just a couple of weeks ago at soldier field and Trubisky's going to have a bigger target on his back or specifically his right shoulder. So I'm not all for having Trubisky playing this game, especially if he's not a hundred percent. Obviously it's going to be a big game division game, but I just don't think you you could risk it. Look how they addressed Allen Robinson and Cleo Mack. They were injured. They got them healthy and now they're good to go. Hopefully for the rest of the season. And I think the bears and how they've addressed ish uh, injuries this season are going to do the exact same thing. I know it's your quarterback, but you have a capable backup in Chase Daniel. So for me, I'm not playing Trubisky, especially not knowing what where he's at with that throwing shoulder, and I'm good with uh, Chase Daniel starting against the Lions on Thursday.
0: I tend to agree. I'm going to let Brandon chime in first, and I'll kind of give my reasoning behind it. But Brandon, where do you kind of sit on this whole thing?
3: Uh,
1: well, since you already said you agree and Nick already says that he's not playing Trubisky, uh, I thirdly agree with that because there's there's no need to, to push the issue here, especially on a short week. Like Nick said, we've got a very capable quarterback in Chase Daniel, and I don't think that Matt Nagy shies away from his aggressiveness at all.
3: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. pediccom
1: And his game planning, because he knows Chase Daniel's been around the system. He hasn't necessarily been out there on the field to execute it because he's had better quarterbacks out there, so... That's understandable that Chase Daniel doesn't quite have the stats to back up, and he knows the system, but we know that he knows the system. He's been with Matt Nagy for the last couple of years, so there's no need to really, really fret, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that the aggressive, young aggressive coach is going to shy away. You know, We'll see some coaches have a different game plan for their backup quarterback because they're a little timid, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Nagy. He really puts confidence in his guys, and I don't see that really being an issue here, so might as well just rest Trubisky on Thursday and play Chase Daniel.
0: Yeah, because even though I think there was like a year gap in which uh, Trubisky, Trubisky um, Daniel, and of course Nagy weren't together, but that's when Daniel was the backup for Drew Brees. And I remember when Daniel first came here, and he said he's known to being the smartest quarterback in the room. And when you uh, are under Drew Brees and you're saying that, that it's a testament to like your football knowledge. And regardless um, about Chase Daniel, Trubisky, whoever's playing, um, Detroit, have they have allowed three passing touchdowns to quarterbacks in three of their last four games. So even if Chase Daniel's out there, I anticipate him being effective. I mean, just look what he did. If you guys don't remember uh, what he did against Kansas City in the preseason with the second-team offense going up against Kansas City starters. And I know that it's easier to score points um, against Kansas City's defense. I mean, look what just happened last night. Um, But even then, Detroit statistically is worse um, in terms of passing defense. Um, So Chase Daniel, he knows his system uh, inside and out. I think he said he knows it like the back of his hand, which, I mean, that's why we brought him in here. And he can play within it. He can be that game manager. And Detroit, what it makes it even better, uh, they're bottom in terms of pressure. That'll help. And they've also given up the second higher passer rating this year with 116. So, regardless, if Chase Daniel's out there, I don't anticipate it really holding this offense back too much. Now, there are some different elements where uh, Trubisky kind of takes this offense to the next level. But in terms of being a game manager, playing within the system, we should be in good hands here. And as long as Daniel doesn't throw away this game which i don't anticipate him being that kind of quarterback to do so we should be able to find a way to still beat the lions Truiski's absence um should not hinder our overall performance this week but what about you nick what should Bears Sands expect if
2: chase daniel is out there starting you know with chase daniel knowing this offense and being with Nagy for as long as he has back to the kansas city days i could i should you should expect him to not actually take it back this is a uh we this is a league now where we've seen backup quarterbacks do some exceptional things. Just look last year with Nick Foles, and just quarterbacks that have come in who are able to run an offense and still run it effectively. I'm not going to say that Mitch Trubisky is like a system quarterback. I'm, I don't. I don't. I want to get that across. But if you plug in a quarterback into the system, people are still running wide open. Now it's just about hitting those targets. So that's why I'm confident that Matt Nagy and Chase Daniel, if that's you know who starts on Thursday is going to be able to run this offense effectively. He's He's been with the guys ever since the beginning of training camp, learning the offense right when uh, Trubisky's learning it, and he's got even more uh, um, more of a background with it. So I'm confident that Daniel's going to be able to run it, run the plays that Matt Nagy wants to run. Obviously, Trubisky brings athleticism that Daniel doesn't have uh, You know, quite as much, but you go back, like you said, to that Kansas City game. He's running, rolling outside the pocket of their design rollouts. He's able to do that effectively, get out in space. So I think Daniel's a definitely a capable quarterback. Um, you're not going to see 28 or 30 points, I don't think. But as long as you get 20, I think you're good to beat the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And on top of that, too, what. And I don't want to say I like about this, but something
0: that could bode well in our favor, um, if Trubisky has to sit a week, which again, like you said, Nick, if that means he can be healthy going forward, that's the right move to make here. Because I was telling you guys last night when we heard about this, like, well, this is the perfect time for any of this to kind of come up with Detroit and then the Giants the week after, Um, even though with a week and a half, he should be okay to go against New York. But the Lions have no idea what Matt Nagy can do with Chase Daniel because he knows the system. There are things that Trubisky doesn't know yet or hasn't really grasped that he can deploy this week, which means all of the tape that they have on this offense so far might be for not. And that might be a good way that we can surprise this defense, which, again, this is a defense we had a lot of success with a time ago. And they're going to try to find a way to adjust so that doesn't happen. So now we have to find ways to beat them in different areas of the field. And I really think that Daniel being the quarterback could be a perfect way to go ahead and do that. Brandon, is there anything else about the quarterback situation that you want to bring up before we move on? Uh,
1: I know you guys pretty much touched on everything. The one thing that I wanted to hit on that you touched on, Will, was that we might see deeper plays out of the playbook. Because we typically see only about three formations with Trubisky. Uh, and with Chase Daniel, we may see you know, two or three different formations on top of three we see on a frequent basis. So I'm excited to see what else is deeper in that playbook because I think uh, Matt Nagy is definitely going to pull it out.
2: Well, I think it's worth mentioning, even though it's not the best statistic uh, we were just talking about it right before we went live, is that today happens to be the day, same exact day, seven years ago, that Jay Cutler got injured when the Bears were 7-3. Just to put that out there, completely different injuries. Trubisky's not long-term. Cutler went 7-3, but those Bears did end up losing the next five. Not saying that's going to happen here, because, like I said, just, just a... a Stat to kind of think about it's crazy because we were also talking Hi. about the Joe Theismann and uh Alex Smith injury that happened same exact day. It's crazy to think about how all these things in the NFL can just happen, you know, at the same exact not the same exact time, but coincidentally same exact day and you know, throughout history, which is kind of weird.
0: It's the world's a weird place, guys. It really is. <laughs>
2: All right, so moving on.
0: In the last meeting between the Bears and the Lions, Allen Robinson came back and had that huge game, over 130 yards and two touchdowns on six catches. But remember, that was with Darius Slay on the sidelines, and he returned last week um, for Detroit, but he did give up four catches for 54 yards and a score. Obviously, he's still dealing with that knee issue, and he's not 100%. But, Nick, I want to go back to you. How would Slay's presence on the field change how the Bears attack this defense?
2: I, You know, he's a good corner. He really is. But that's not going to change uh, Matt Nagy's system because still, in this game against Carolina with Slay, the Carolina Panthers know that the middle of the field is open against the Detroit Lions. These guys are just not the best man-to-man cover corners. And that's what I saw a lot of, again, what the Bears did against Detroit, running those slant routes towards the middle of the field. I expect Matt Nagy to still bring that this week. Until the Lions can prove that they can cover that, why, why go away from it? And that happened – just last week against Carolina, Cam Newton was able to find his receivers and against these Detroit Lions DBs. So with Darius Slay, yes, it gives you a better player, uh, more of an oppor- uh more of a chance to maybe guard those slants. But the Bears are still going to run them because they have been effective, and they were effective for the Bears when they played Detroit. They're effective for the Carolina Panthers when they played them.
0: Yeah, and on top of that too, um, if the Bears can do even with Chase Daniel if he has to play on um, what they did last week, oh, two weeks ago, nine days ago, a week and a half, however you want to frame it. Um, And that was attacking the safeties down the field. They had a lot of success doing that because um, Trubisky, he actually had a perfect pass rating when targeting the safeties. He was eight of 10 for 227 yards and two touchdowns. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Anything else about the Bears passing game that you want to bring up? Again, I know we're trying to uh, not repeat things that were mentioned last time, which is very hard considering, like I said, less than two weeks ago we played them. Um but anything else in the Bears passing game that you want to kind of uh, throw out there?
1: I'm excited to see, because we've seen Chase Daniel in the preseason even throw it deep downfield in one-on-one coverage, so we know he has the confidence to do it, and that was where uh, Trubisky had a lot of success. Uh, the play that I keep finding in my notes is the, the deep pass to the end zone that was a little short, but it was placed right where it had to be for Allen Robinson to get the ball for that touchdown, uh, put the Bears up 13 to nothing. Uh, because that was one of the extra points missed. But regardless, uh, I'm excited to see Chase Daniel be able to be aggressive, like you said, throw it downfield in those one-on-one situations. I think Nagy feels totally comfortable with his quarterbacks attacking that, and even with Darius Slay, you know, we you brought up that he gave up four catches still because he's you know he's rusty, he still has the knee issue, and with very solid route runners, he's gonna have a hard time making adjustments on those cuts. Uh, so I think that's definitely something he should take advantage of early, let you know, beat him while he's down.
2: Absolutely. How about you, Nick? Anything else? Uh, I would say just from watching that Carolina game, Nevin lost in their number 24, of their safety, not a guy that uh, has given up some, some big plays. And especially against the Panthers and one-on-one coverage. I think that's a, a place where Nagy's going to look to exploit because they didn't have a good game last week. They didn't have a good game against the bears. Might as well. Like you said, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. Two things I want to note
0: here too. Uh, last week, Trey Burton, he's coming off a season low one catch. Uh, against the Vikings Um, and the last time we played the Lions he caught all four of his targets so perhaps he gets more involved especially if Daniel kind of plays and needs that security blanket over underneath in the middle of the field and on top of that don't forget last time uh, Taylor Gabriel was shut out against the Lions so um, on top of that we saw huge games from Anthony Miller and of course, Alan Robinson. So I wonder who the Lions are going to try to eliminate this week. So if they try to take away Robinson, they try to take away Miller. Uh, perhaps this is a game where Taylor Gabriel, who was highly involved against the Minnesota Vikings, um, can get more acclimated. But regardless, no matter who the uh, the Lions want to take away, uh, the Bears do have someone else ready to step up and take over. Which is the beauty of the playmakers and this offense that we have here in Chicago. All right. So even though that the Lions have been shredded on the ground for the most part of the season, uh, four point eight yards per attempt and 125 yards per game. We have to give them some credit here because they've been very strong in their last two games. They've held the Panthers only 56 rushing yards and us to 54. Now I know the bears surprised us with some ineffective, unorthodox, but still um, effective. I should say rushing on Sunday night. Um, In a couple weeks back, I don't think we really needed the ground game uh, due to the tremendous success that we had through the year that we've kind of mentioned. So I want to know what are going to be your expectations of the Bears on the ground? And again, it does seem like every week we expect them to tear up teams on the ground. They don't. And when we expect them to struggle, they surprise. So Brandon, when it comes to the Bears rushing attack, what should we expect? Do you even know what to expect at this point? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: no and part of me wanted to say you know i expect to see them establish run game a little bit more with a backup quarterback in there when i was thinking about this earlier this afternoon i went no that's not going to happen because matt nagy is just an aggressive coach and when he finds something that works he sticks with it uh so if that means i mean schematically doing the same thing against detroit that they did against minnesota where they run these sweeps to open up the middle of the field for jordan howard to get you know more than Forty something yards, whatever he had against the Lions a couple weeks ago. Oh, he only had twenty one yards. So that's a fun fact. Uh, I think you know if he does that, he'll be able to have more than twenty yards on the ground rushing. But I don't think it's something that Matt Nagy is going to put his focus on. So I don't expect a whole lot out of this unit. I expect to see some similar schematic things as far as trying to figure out where to open up holes and things of that nature as the game goes on. But I don't expect it to be a huge part of the offense.
2: Nick, how about you? You know, you want to see the Bears be able to build off of that Sunday night uh, performance with the Vikings rushing the football, especially with Jordan Howard against, you know, another division opponent, uh, Detroit Lions, who they struggled with. And it would be great to see the running game do well, but you just don't know what to expect from it. Um, Like, we didn't expect anything to come out of the the Minnesota game, but they they had success, and then vice versa against the Detroit Lions. But I think for this one, with Chase Daniel, I know I said they're going to, you know, most likely, keep uh, the same kind of offense out there. I think it would it would be really, really beneficial to have that running game, so you can just run out the clock because you know your defense is going to keep Detroit out of the end zone, do its thing. So just you know, win this game by staying in bounds on those runs, just milk that clock, end the game, get out of there with the victory. Trubisky, whether he plays or not, you know that's how you want to do it. But whether or not the Bears can is the question because we just never know what to expect out of this running, uh, you know, running game. I'll tell you what. I know mano-a-mano, our offensive line
0: versus Detroit's front seven, we have an advantage. Now, it all it's execution and the willingness to stick with it. Because remember last time against the Lions, Tariq Cohen was getting all these inside zones, and we were so confused why we were actually doing that. So if we use that with Jordan Howard, perhaps he can churn the field just like we did last week against the Vikings with Howard. He was pretty effective up to front. Now, he didn't bust out any... Big-time runs, but he was still highly effective on the ground, at least to the degree this season. I'm not saying he was as effective as he was, of course, in his first couple of seasons. But, Brandon, you mentioned uh, a statement that really kind of stuck with me, and that's Matt Nagy's an aggressive coach, and if he knows he's had, having success, he's not going to change anything. But this is the first time that he's actually playing the same opponent twice. So I want to know, and Nick, I want to go to you first. Are there any specific adjustments that you do want to see him make?
2: Um, I think thinking back to that game with, um, you know, the first matchup, it was just the interior offensive line just didn't get that push. Right. And we really saw that against the Minnesota Vikings, especially between, uh, you know, the two guards just right up the middle. That's where Jordan Howard had a lot of success. So however they can do it, and they, they face a good opponent, Linval Joseph for the Vikings, and they're going to have another one with Damon Harrison in the middle, try to win that matchup again. That's where they had success. And I think that's where the bears can have success in the running game, but, There's nothing really specific because, again, it's a different opponent, different matchup. So I think if you could do that, though, that's going to give you the most uh, chance to succeed. What about you, B? Anything
0: else that you or anything that you would like to see Matt Nagy change this time around from the last time that he played the Lions? Because it worked very well in the first half last time. And then they kind of simmered down like they have all season long in the second half on offense.
1: Right. Uh, I'm just kind of looking at the time and possession that both teams had. Detroit had the ball for four minutes longer than Chicago did. So maybe that's something that uh, he can improve on, I guess, is establishing that run to be able to take away more clock rather than throwing on first and ten, throwing an incomplete pass, and the clock stops. I mean, you lose time and possession on that one, and you can always win if you have the ball. Well, I don't say always because uh, the Lions didn't win in this case, but uh, they, I think more chances than not, uh, if you have the ball longer than your opponent, then they're going to be able to, because if they can take the crowd out of it just kind of lull everyone to sleep with a run game it doesn't have to be a consistent this like consistent pound it up the middle every time when you pick up two yards uh but be able to hold on to the ball for longer periods of time have a longer sustained drive and i, I like that man likes to put up points quick uh, but maybe this is an instance where at home you can really take the crowd out of the game or away i should say you could take the detroit's crowd out of the game early and just never look back if they can hold on to it early and figure out a way to turn the corner, and put up points faster in the second half. So I guess that's one adjustment. I guess it's just game management.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that he's been improving on all season. And, of course, you just want to see continual steps in the right direction. And you bring up a good point about crowd noise because I've been to a Bears-Lions game 2013 in Detroit. And if Detroit gets off to an early and a hot start, that place is loud. And we want to find a way to eliminate that. As much as possible, especially if we have a backup quarterback in there with a different cadence, a different rhythm that the offensive line isn't used to, um, that's going to be you know a key element of this game because we saw it in Buffalo uh, working at Charles Leno Jr. there with all the false starts. We need to make sure that if we can take the crowd noise out of it, that should limit that on the road with a backup quarterback. Um, so guys, to cap off our offensive discussion, I have a simple question and one of those simple question, perhaps complicated answer time, but maybe not. Um, and Nick, I'm going to go to you. What is, are some of your keys to success for the Bears offense as a whole?
2: You know, especially if it's Chase Daniel, and we still don't know. Uh, it's just not turning over the football that that would be crucial. That would you know be detrimental, I should say, in a game like this where you don't have your starting quarterback. So that's going to be the key in this one. Chase Daniel, if he is a starter, can't lose the Bears the ballgame. Because, again, as good as that defense is, if you put them in bad opportunities with short fields in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day where they're used to this, they're used to you know playing on this, this game every single year, that can really hurt the team. So Chase Daniel, as much as uh, he maybe would like to take risks being, you know, out there being the starter for a week, you really got to take those calculated risks like we've been talking about all season, regardless of who the quarterback is. So that's going to be big for me is that Chase Daniel needs to play not not conservative, but he needs to play smart. And he is a smart guy, like we alluded to earlier in the podcast. So I think that's going to be the big thing for Chase Daniel.
0: I mean, he follows our Twitter account, so I know he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I will give the defense credit here because last week we did give them some very poor spots against Minnesota, and they did hold tough. And In the second half of this game, Drake Cohen's fumble and Mitchell Trubisky's interception. And regardless, we held them to field goals on both of those. So I will give the defense credit, and that might be the benefit of – going up against the Lions this week with a backup quarterback, because if something like that does happen, we have a defense that should be able to mitigate the damage. Now, for me, I don't know if this is the key, but I would like to see it happen again. Uh, In the last meeting, if you guys remember, uh, the Bears scored touchdowns on their first four drives in that very first half. Now, obviously, that's a very hard feat to accomplish twice against the same exact opponent, potentially with a backup quarterback. But what led to that success, which is going to be my key, was being on or ahead of schedule because the Bears only face two third downs on those four scoring drives. So to stay on or ahead of schedule, be aggressive in the lines. They should fold just like they did the last time that we went up against them. So that's going to be my key. It's going to be staying ahead of schedule and trying to eliminate those third down, uh, those third down plays. How about you, Brandon? Any other keys to success for the Bears offense?
1: Well, it wouldn't be a preview show if I didn't say when the trenches, because I think as long as, I mean, the, the lines only got one sack last time, uh, a couple weeks ago, nine days ago, week and a half ago, whatever we decided that time lapse was, uh, and it was to Deshaun hand. So, I mean, it's not like it was one of their premier pass rushers. I mean, they kept Damon Harrison, Damon Harrison, uh, in check. They kept Sean hand in check. He had the one sack. Hey, Sean Robinson in check. Uh, it, Ricky Jean Francois, they kept him in check as well. So, I mean, as long as they just continue to do that, give uh, Chase Daniel a, a clean pocket because I assume that Chase is going to start because uh, he's going to be nervous early on, and you can't let that pressure get to him early. As long as the offensive line continues to do what they've been doing all year, give him a clean pocket, plenty of time to throw, uh, then I think that it's, we're going to be off to a really good start on the road, and I think that's uh, incredibly important.
0: Wow, Brandon, all those French classes are finally paying off with that French finally wall. paying off,
1: right? <laughs> I thought I was pretty impressed with that.
0: And fun fact, just for those listening, Brandon and I, we actually became friends in high school in a French class, so it all comes full circle. All right, guys, so last time when we did Who Has the Edge, and I'm not doing these officially this week because, again, we just broke it down a week and a half ago, and I don't think anything's really changed, but we had a clean sweep. We had the Bears' pass protection beating out the Lions' pass rush, Bears' pass attack beating the Lions' secondary, and the Bears' ground game. Uh Having the edge over the lions run defense, is there anything different? Do we need to change any of these? Or are we still good with uh
2: bringing out the broom here?
1: <laughs> I second the broom,
2: yeah, the only one that's questionable is the run game because we just don't know fair exactly,
0: and that's the big one. but I think overall the bears should have are the better team their offense is much more uh much more talented than the defense that Detroit's going to be putting out there on Thursday afternoon. All right, so we reached halftime. That's going to be the end of our offensive discussion. And real quick, um, I just want to say, uh, you know, I know Thanksgiving's in a couple of days, and we will be having a post-game show on that. But I just want to thank you for all the listeners. Um, I know there's like a 100 of you right, right now on YouTube, and it's a different day. It's a Tuesday. I want to appreciate you guys coming here and watching this show live. Um, anyone who's watching the video, perhaps on demand afterwards on YouTube, and to everyone who's downloaded and listened to this podcast worldwide, I just want to say on behalf of Nick, Brandon and myself and the rest of our team, our writing team as well. I just want to thank you for uh being here, supporting us and just giving us this platform to be a voice for you the Chicago Bears and a source of entertainment as well it's been uh, we started this in 2015 and it's been a fun ride every step of the way every season watching our audience grow watching them grow relationships among themselves as well so to build this little community um it's just great as but i just want to say thanks to you for all your support throughout the years it really does mean a lot and if you haven't yet um i just uh to return the favor uh, if you haven't uh, just simply rate our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Every review we get or any time you rate our show, it does help us reach more and more Bears fans worldwide. And we're not backed by any media entity. We don't have thousands of dollars in an av- uh, advertisement budget to kind of promote our show. We rely on you, word of mouth, Bears fans. So if you haven't yet, that'd be grateful. And if you don't want to do that, maybe just tell a friend, tell a family member that you think would love this show just like you. So um, again, on behalf of all of us at the Bears Brothers, uh, a little bit early, but thank you so much. We are thankful for your support. All righty, guys, let's go ahead and just move right along into the Bears' defense. And since Khalil Mack's return, they've been back to playing at an extremely high level. Held Minnesota only three points through three quarters. And the last time we saw the Lions, they held them to 10 points through three quarters. But in the last two weeks, they have allowed 29 points in the game's final quarter. And granted, we've entered both of those fourth quarters with substantial leads, But I think this deserves to be asked. Do you guys have any concern with the Bears fourth quarter defense and their performance? Because we talk a lot about the offense closing out games and needing to close out games. But I think there's some stock here that we need to start requesting the same from our defense, too. Nick, how about you?
2: Yeah, we actually talked about that on our audio mailbag yesterday. The concerns in the fourth quarter overall offense and defense. And I think, you know, with a dominant defense, a top three defense, you want to see them actually close out a game to where these opposing teams are not getting these garbage points, these garbage touchdowns, and making it a lot closer than what it actually is. So it is a little concerning because a common denominator, like we've said in all these shows now, is that hurry-up, quick-passing, short-passing offenses, where the Bears are playing a little off because they have the lead, and eventually opposing teams, you know, start to make their way down the field, eventually get in the end zone. So it is a little concerning that the Bears have not been able to maybe close out a game completely because they have the defense to do it. They really do. They have all the playmakers set. They just got to have that mentality, that same kind of uh, scheme throughout all four quarters and not just the first three and a half or whatever. So it is a little concerning, but again, the Bears have built up such a big lead in the first three quarters that they can almost get away with it for now. And uh, Detroit is a team that you probably can get away uh, with it even with a backup quarterback, but you see the Rams and what they did last night. No way that can happen because you will get blown out if that's the case.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting too, because we play a lot of pre-event when we get in fourth quarter, because of course we have a big lead and we're trying not to give up the big play. But still, it seems like teams with this prevent defense, they use the no huddle, they use the hurry up, they use the tempo, they do all these short and re-throws, and they still march their way down there and end up scoring anyway. So I don't know why you would perhaps change that. And just, if, if you stick to your base defense, stick to what got you there, then even if they you do give up the big play, which this defense really hasn't when they're actually out there playing to their true system, their true scheme – then what's the difference? I mean, maybe you want them to kind of kill some of the clock uh, for themselves, which will hurt them, to kind of dink and dunk down the field and send in that big explosive play and put the ball right back in the hands of our offense, which hasn't been able to close our games, which in turn I suppose would put the ball right back in the hands of the offense that just scored the big play and the opponent. Uh, so maybe you do want to have them work the clock against them. Maybe that's mentality. But still, it's a little disconcerting when you see all those points given up in the fourth quarter, regardless of this lead, regardless of – uh, the Bears playing a little bit more prevent and teams, that, you know, calling it garbage time, if you will. Um, but I still want to see a little bit more because, like you said, when we play some of these more formidable opponents, these offenses, if the Bears enter the fourth quarter with a, a couple, like a two score lead somehow, say against the Rams, the Rams are so dangerous. They can do that real quick, even if you are playing prevent. So the Bears need to find ways to close out games on both sides of the ball. But I think it's a time that we needed to bring up the defense as well here. But what about you, B? Anything else you want to bring up?
1: Yeah, I think because offenses get desperate, they, you know, go to this hurry up, no huddle, short pass, thinking dunk because they know that Vic Fangio doesn't want to give up the big play. That's why it works. And I don't know if you guys caught Akeem Hicks mic'd up against Sunday night. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but he he brought it up. He brought the defense together, started fourth quarter and said, hey, we give up points here. Uh, let's not do it again this week. So they are aware of the issue and i think that they almost have to become desperate like like the opposing offense trying to put up points become desperate to not allow them to score uh especially late in games you guys are get you know defenses are getting tired it's you know big lead it's understandable why they would slack off and not want to play this tempo pressure defense that we've seen through the first three and a half quarters. Uh, But they need to become desperate just like the opposing offense and try to try to shut it down and really limit those points. I think at that point just becomes a a mindset thing. You have to be able to win the point of attack and win these battles. And I think that that's where uh, the issue falls is kind of in the mindset.
0: Exactly. Now, one of our biggest takeaways from that Sunday nighter was just how well the bears were against the run completely shut down the Vikings, only 1.6 yards per carry allowed in, uh, they only gave up 22 yards on 14 attempts. The Lions are going to be able to carry on Johnson, who put up 51 yards on us two weeks ago. Um, and outside of him, the Lions don't have too much to work with. So, Nick, are you anticipating another shutdown here and making the Lions one-dimensional yet again?
2: Oh, absolutely. And carry on Johnson really changes things for that Detroit Lions offense. When he gets going, things open up for the Lions. They're able to do what they want to do with Stafford and the receivers, but with no Johnson because – with without him on the field, you're relying on Legarrette Blunt, who is nowhere near the type of running back. Completely different guys. A a bigger back in Legarrette Blunt, and then carry on Johnson. He can make you miss with a bunch of moves. Has that quick, uh, you know, hit ability to make a home run move. He he's a good running back. He really is. And I know he's only a rookie, but without him, that really limits what Detroit can do. And if they go one dimensional, having Stafford, you know, pass all the time. That's not what, that's not the recipe for success. I know the Lions definitely love to pass the ball, but still they, they might be without Marvin Jones in this game due to, he didn't practice today. So that's going to be a big blow to them. Not having carry on Johnson. I don't see this offense really having a good day against this bears defense.
0: Yeah. You kind of alluded to uh, something I have coming up here in a few minutes. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a few moments, but uh, Brandon, over to you. How, how are you feeling here? Do you feel like the bears shouldn't, I mean, they're the number one team again now um, in rushing defense. I anticipate uh, them with Garrett Blunt, who's been averaging like less than two yards per carry. It's uh, it's not looking well for Detroit.
1: Uh, no, it's not, because Kerryon Johnson's that, that quicker back. Uh, last night when Nick and I were recording the audio mailbag, we sent some probably not nice thing about Garrett Blunt. Uh, and again, in the last game, he only averaged 0. 0.7 yards uh, on average per carry, uh, six carries for four yards. Uh, so I'm not really worried about him burning us. Uh, he's just not as fast as carry on Johnson. He's got a little more weight to carry around is I think is the nicer way that Nick and I were putting it last night. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not really worried about Detroit's run game because we've seen Cleo Mack and Eddie Goldman and the rest of the front seven, just be able to shut down two really good running backs in Minnesota on Sunday. And I don't think that they would have much of an issue with really just one running back that Detroit's got right now.
0: Exactly. And with blunt, you mentioned his extra weight and then he's going to have a little bit more momentum and, You just got to be aggressive. You can't try to arm tackle him. You just have to do, you know, fundamental found, uh, you know, sound tackling, wrap him up. And I mean, he obviously this season with his uh, meek, I guess would be the word I'm going to call it, uh, you know, yards per attempt. uh, We shouldn't have much problem whatsoever. Now, guys, I just want to let you know that I am young enough to remember when the Bears took down Matthew Stafford six times. Just a heads up. That was nine days ago. (laughs) I am young enough to remember that though. Um, but uh, including two from Cleo Mack, by the way. Now, Chicago, of course, they simply outmanned the Lions front, and they were able to harass Matthew Stafford all game long. And, Brandon, I'm going to go to you. Uh, What needs to happen in order for the Bears to kind of replicate that performance?
1: I want to see another one of those highlights that I've been watching like the last nine days of Cleo Mack getting the tight end out of the way and then just running over the tackle and then getting his way to Matthew Stafford. That was pretty cool. So if he can keep doing that, that'd be awesome. Uh, So there's one key, but... No, I think it's just uh, a lot of what we've seen uh, against Minnesota where they have to pick, are we going to defend Akeem Hicks or Leonard Floyd or Cleo Mack? Uh, and now with all those guys healthy, we'll see where Aaron Lynch is at. I don't know where he's at as far as concussion protocol goes, but I don't anticipate him playing just because I wouldn't expect him to, I guess. Uh, usually they wait for concussions to the last minute to decide anyway. Yeah, it's, so I it's, just it's
0: hard to pass the whole protocol in four days.
1: Right, so I don't anticipate him playing, but regardless, there's still enough weapons out there on the Bears' pass rush that Detroit's going to have similar problems to what they had nine days ago. Uh, they have to be able to pick one of these guys, and their their pass or their offensive line just is not good enough to stop all three of these guys.
0: No, it's like Akeem Hicks said after the game on Sunday night: like, who are you going to block? Are you going to block me. You're going to block Mac, and you're going to have Leonard Floyd. It's It's a recipe, like you, and that's what I love. And it's the same thing with the Bears' offense, too, with the weapons through the air. But the Bears' pass rushers, when they're all healthy and they're all playing to the high level that we know they can, um, teams have to pick their poison. And usually, no matter what you pick, one, the other one's going to come in and clean up the job. So I think as long as you
1: send in the send in the corner blitz with Bryce Callahan, just totally throw him off. And so I mean, Vic Fangio, I think he knows what he's got on his team obviously, and he's going to dial it up to success.
0: I mean, that's what happened last time, too. They brought in some blitzes with uh, Bryce Callahan. It was effective against the Lions. They did it throw-quan Smith. It was effective as well. So I'm looking for Vic to keep up the aggressive mentality, especially if we keep them one-dimensional like we did a week and a half ago. That's exactly the recipe. You keep them one-dimensional. You know Stafford's going to have to drop back. He's not the most mobile of quarterbacks. Uh, you send in blitzes from all different angles to kind of keep him and the rest of the offensive line on their toes, not knowing exactly where the rush is going to come from. And if that happens, um, it's pretty simple stuff from there
2: on out. What about you, Nick? Anything else? It just seems
0: like, uh, if just like the offense, if it ain't broke,
2: don't fix it. <laughs> well, no, exactly. I mean, the Bears just need to come after them, stay aggressive. But I will say this, Detroit, after giving up 16 sacks in two weeks from the Minnesota Vikings and the Bears, they only gave up one sack against Carolina, and Carolina's not the best team against the quarterback. They're tied for 23rd in the league with 23 sacks. So they did a better job. They're improving. So I, I obviously they're, they're fixing something, but what really worked um, in those games uh, for the Vikings and the bears front seven is running those stunts. Uh, the Detroit lions did not know how to counter the stunts. People were running in freely getting to Matthew Stafford, getting his face, getting uncomfortable, getting him uncomfortable. So, Like you said, we've said it now, I think, four times. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And (laughs) keep running those stunts. See if this Lions team has learned. And the one sack, maybe they have a little bit. But this is a far more talented, more capable front seven in the Bears than than Carolina's. So I think that's what's going to be the difference here. That the Bears, regardless of if they've improved or not, they're still going to be able to get after Stafford.
0: Yeah, you're generous with using the I-word, improve there. I think they just had a better game against an inferior opponent because when you go up against the Vikings and then you go up against the Bears, going up against Carolina probably feels like a cakewalk. Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's that's very accurate. (laughs) So now they have to go back to uh, this beard. And you know what? I know how aggressive we are and, you know, Everyone's going to be a little bit sore on Thursday. I mean, I'm sore, and, it's only, and I'm, not, I'm just watching these games. So um, with the sore offensive line, uh, you never know. I know how aggressive we are. And someone like a Khalil Mack, who is a, you know, a consummate professional who takes care of his body, he should be able to go 100% without any uh, kind of setback at all. I'm not saying setbacks probably a poor word. But, like, you know how everyone's going to be a little bit kind of behind because they don't have a full week to kind of recover and rest. Um, Khalil Mack should be able to dominate against someone who's, like, either tackle who's maybe a little bit behind, a little bit sore, a little bit on edge. All day. All day. All right, so looking at some of the matchups through the air, the Lions, as Nick already alluded to, spoiler alert, uh, should be or may be without Marvin Jones Jr. He had three catches for 55 yards against us last time, and he is tied for the team-high five touchdowns. Um, On top of that, we should also mention that On Johnson's absence is also going to impact the Lions here um, because he is their fourth leading receiver on the season. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you. Without these two players, uh, where do you shift your focus? Is it going to be pretty much stopping Kenny Galladay? Because he has a whopping 27 targets in his last two games.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be the main focus, stopping Kenny Galladay. And they went to him early in that game against Carolina. That was actually the very first play of the game, throw a short pass to Galladay. And he got, obviously, some more passes in that game. But another guy that we didn't even mention who's definitely going to be implemented in this game is Theo Riddick, uh, a guy that is a pass-catching Uh, running back so I think with that they're definitely going to use him in the passing game a little bit more just to get another weapon out there uh with no carrying on Johnson you're going to have to get more weapons out there and that's a a guy that he actually made a couple of catches he ran a really good slant route against I think it was uh, Davis for the the Carolina Panthers was able to get in the middle of the field and you know make a good gain out of that so that's another guy that it's probably going to be a Roquan Smith a Dan Trevathan in the middle that they're going to have to account for Absolutely. How about you, B?
1: I, I really think that they can just double Kenny Galladay, especially if Marvin Jones is a no go. Uh, and you have one safety over top in whatever corner he's matched up on. I think that's really the best way to attack it because that really shuts down. Like you said, he's had 27 targets the last two games. That's insane. Uh, so, especially with no Marvin Jones, I think that's really just the best way to lock him down. Uh, and Nick brought up a few Riddick, which I was kind of hoping to sneak in there. Uh, but, I mean, the Lions don't really have a reliable tight end, at least looking at the last game. Uh, Toliolo had one reception for 16 yards. Uh, TJ Jones had one for 12. Michael Roberts had one for nine. Brandon Powell had one for six. I don't even know if all those guys are tight ends off the top of my head. I don't have their depth chart in front of me. Uh, but those are all guys that you don't necessarily hear a lot of. Uh, and I would—I know Toliolo is a tight end, so they're not necessarily going to use that either because I don't think they've got necessarily a, a reliable one. So I think it really just comes down to if they can shut down Kenny Galladay uh, it's going to have to be the Matt Stafford running around show because I don't know who else he's going to have to throw to outside of Theoretic.
0: That was one of our big keys going into the last game because without Golden Tate, he kind of lost his best weapon and his most you know consistent uh, target, the guy he always relied on. And now that's going to be Galladay. So you take him out of the equation – like you said, Brian, there's going to be a lot of Matthew Stafford running around looking for an open man, probably not going to find it, and it shouldn't take long for the Bears pass rush uh, to kind of hit home and take care of business on their end as well. Uh, for me, two other players I think we should keep in mind, though. Um, Bruce Ellington in the slot. Um, he's a little bit new. In his first game with the Lions last week, he had nine targets. Um, he hauled in six. He had 52 yards. I mean, I think Bryce Callahan should and will be able to kind of shut him down, but If we're looking at where the ball is probably going to go, Ellington's going to get some looks here. So uh, kind of pay attention to that matchup in the slot. And then Theo Riddick, seven targets per game over his last two, 90 yards in that span as well. I mean, 60 yards against us. So obviously it's going to be key for the Bears linebackers to uh, kind of, uh, Roquan Smith and more in particular too, to make sure he doesn't break free for a big gain with the ball in his hand. Um, I will say that in our notes, and we talked about in the postgame show after the last Lions game, that we thought Roquan had one of his better days in coverage. And, of course, one of my bigger memories of that Vikings game is going to be that missed tackle that he had over the middle of the field where he let the receiver kind of stand back up and keep going. Uh, So as long as Roquan can kind of return to form like he did against the Lions last time, don't really expect anything uh, theoretically breaking this game wide open or anything. All right, so I asked us about the offense, so I figured we may as well just come full circle, keep it 360 here, and uh, kind of close it out. What are going to be your keys to success for the Bears' defense this week? And let's go to Brandon first.
1: I think it's not just a one key success. I think a key player is going to be Eddie Jackson, uh, especially since we talked about really shutting down Galladay. I imagine he's going to look at him and go, he's going to have a lot of targets. Let's see if we can make Matt Stafford's day just terribly awful and just see if we can find ways to intercept them or force the ball out because they had a fumble on Galladay in the last game, if you remember, but the challenge flag didn't get out in time. So let's see if they can find ways to force those turnovers, especially on key guys that we know are going to get the ball because there's not a whole lot of weapons for Stafford to throw to this week. So let's see them really pick on those guys, and I think that's going to be a, a recipe for disaster for the Lions offense.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say the saying that we've already said four times, uh, so I'm going right. to go over to Nick to scoot
2: over. Uh, Nick, how about you? Any keys? I think it's just playing fundamentally sound. You may, you brought up a really good play where Roquan Smith missed that tackle. That keeps the opposing offense out there. And like we talked about, it could be Chase Daniel at quarterback. You need to give that guy as many opportunities to score as possible. And that's going to be getting those three and outs and just being, you know, making secure tackles, playing fundamental in coverage. This is a game where even though the Bears may not have their starting quarterback a game that the Bears should win so the defense needs to just come out and do what it's been doing they played a good opponent in Minnesota last week or you know or yeah on Sunday shut them down for the majority of them shut down Kirk Cousins that's what you got to do against Matthew Stafford who's going to be without one of his best weapons and Marvin Jones and Kerryon Johnson so take care of business play fundamentally sound and the Bears defense will be all right I can't really add any
0: more than you guys already you know kind of provided again it's This Bears defense um, is ahead of Detroit's offense. We saw it in the last meeting between these two when the Bears can play sound coverage and the pass rush is flying like we know it can. Everything seems to fall into place. So as long as everyone's doing their job, like Nick said, playing fundamentally sound and the coverage is there, not having any miscommunications in the back end of this defense, um, the Bears front seven, which is more powerful than the Detroit Lions front, should be able to win all day as well. So pretty simple stuff really when you think about it. Sometimes football can be the most complicated of games, and sometimes it can be one of the most simplest games. And I think right now, looking at the Bears' defense versus the Detroit Lions' offense, it's going to be one of those kind of simple games that it just makes sense uh, when you kind of think about everything we just mentioned. Um, But just like I did with the offense as well, um, last time when we did the edge, uh, Brandon, I think you brought out a boot. Um, so I want to know, are we clean sweeping this again? Uh, Bears pass rush versus the Lions pass protection. Bears secondary versus the Lions passing attack. And then the Bears ground uh, run defense versus the Lions ground game. Are we just going to call it you know, a clean sweep yet again? Clean boot? Yeah, I'm going to call it
1: a, a clean sweep. It's just he's without more weapons this time too, which just really adds the Bears' favor. So I I'm in vote for a clean sweep.
0: All right. Sounds like a plan to me. We'll just car- move on. I was going to say carry on along. Huh? <laughs> <Bing>. <laughs> He's not playing.
3: <laughs> Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at temper yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: guys, real quickly, special teams, anything you want to mention besides the big elephant in the room about Cody Parkey kicking against the Lions?
1: I'd be interested to see if we try extra points. I don't think we, we tried one against Minnesota. Did we? They were all two-point conversions?
2: Yeah, I think – or – now I can't remember, but yeah, you know. <laughs> And it was just a couple days ago. You know? <laughs> it was a long night. It, it was
0: a long night. Monday was a very long day with a lot, yeah. of, with a lot of no sleep. And then Monday night, I stayed up late last night too because of that game. So catching up on sleep tonight is going to be a big priority, but no, I think the big one is Cody Parkey. Um, I know that Detroit hasn't had one of the, best special teams units we talked about that last time how they have a new special teams coach because they fired their current coordinator well former coordinator um so (laughs) all the things we mentioned last time um same thing kind of applies here which yeah no
2: extra points for kick just uh, looking at the stats
0: here no extra points thank you We needed that. That was like, that was pivotal. Like we would have to just stop the show. if We didn't know that.
2: Delete everything. We, this never happens. Start Start over. over Uh, He didn't have any extra points. (laughs) And welcome back bears fans. (laughs) All right, real
0: quick, before we get into predictions, uh, just a fun question. that's kind of just uh, hit my mind. Uh, What's your favorite side dish during Thanksgiving? Because it is Thanksgiving week. What about you, B?
1: Ooh, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. That's definitely my favorite side.
0: What about you, Nick?
2: Yeah, I have to go with mashed potatoes. I always have a bread roll, too, so I kind of make a, a sandwich in there. I have, like, ham stuffed with mashed potatoes and then just have a little sandwich. That is, like, amazing.
1: Mm. That sounds really good. I'll have to give do it a shot.
2: Do it. <laughs> I, hopefully, it's
0: the stuffing. I am making. I mean, I'm making the whole dinner. This is what I do every year. I love Ooh. cooking. But um, I'm making a new stuffing this year, and I'm going to put some pecans in it with a little extra crunch. I'm very excited to try that out. But uh, I start brining my turkey tomorrow, which is, like, one of my favorite rituals to do because you have to cook the brine, ice it, get the – turkey in the bucket and watch it for a day you always go check on it but uh i'm very excited to start this dinner here tomorrow afternoon but all right go ahead go quick yeah of of course turkeys that are
1: our alma mater of wheatfield elementary i guess the teachers went turkey bowling where they roll a frozen turkey down the hallways and the winner gets the turkey which i think is kind of weird like it's already tenderized but i don't know that i'd want it after all that it's a
0: bruised bird right there (laughs) All right (laughs) it is a little weird Welcome to Wheatfield, Indiana, Nick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead, get back on track here, close out the show with a few of our predictions. And like always, let's go ahead and hand out our bold predictions. And I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off uh, just in case uh, Nick wants to steal mine this week. I don't think he has, but he probably would if he could. Um, Because mine's going to be about Leonard Floyd. Uh, He had his first sack of the season against the Lions uh, a couple, nine days ago. And uh, so for me, my bold prediction, Leonard Floyd gets not one not two, but three sacks so far uh, on Stafford on Thanksgiving, which I know would give me plenty and a lot of
2: bear fans as well to be thankful for. Uh, so, Nick, how about you? What's going to be your bold prediction? This is pretty bold because it hasn't happened yet this season. Jordan Howard gets that first 100-yard rushing game, and obviously we don't know what this rushing game is going to do, but I'm going to go with that. Jordan Howard finally gets 100 yards this season. <laughs> what has this world come to where that's a bold prediction? Because I remember a time right. where that was an expectation. Yeah, and that's – look, it's a different running game this season, but it hasn't happened. So let's see it happen in week 12 against the Detroit Lions when Jordan Howard and that running that rushing tech did not have a good game. So bold prediction, Jordan Howard gets 100 yards rushing first time this season. Man. Brandon, how about you?
1: Uh, my bold prediction is going to fall in the interception category. I think we get three interceptions in this game.
0: Hey, I said go bold. We do that every week. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> Four interceptions.
1: <Yeah.
0: laughs> hey, I'm just throwing a, a little bit of flackier weight. That's a good bold prediction. I don't know if we've, you know, it's it's Thanksgiving. Stafford is. He's, I don't think he's thrown three interceptions in a game this season yet. So it's it's a bold prediction nevertheless. I just think with our secondary, that's a, a little mild be.
1: Yeah. I agree. I was trying to come up with like a much bolder number. I was like, there's just no way that even happens. So yeah. I'm going to stick with three. We're going to go mild. We're going to kind of a mild prediction this week, I guess.
0: If that what? Ned Flanders? like? I, I almost f-
1: broke out that Cody Park is going to hit an extra point in this one, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to go that route.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I want to touch that topic right now. I think right I'm just going to let him have his <laughs> Sunday night, and then we'll see what happens on Thursday, and we'll go from there. At least we're going to be in a dome. That's gonna...
1: Can I say that like Pat O'Donnell drop kicks a field goal? Oh,
0: <laughs> that's that's hella bold.
1: That's yeah. how they used to be able to do it.
0: I know drop kicks are fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember watching Doug Flutie do one way back in the day. That was uh, I was like, what is that? And I was like, like <laughs> early, that wasn't even high speed internet days. So I'm like googling like what, like is this dropping the ball and kicking it through the uprights? So I was probably like ten years old, nine years old. And I was like, oh wow, this is pretty cool. And he saw it, like used to happen way back in the day, like consistently. Now mm-hmm. it's not even a thing. All right, MBB, curious where this is going to pan out. Anyone have Chase
2: Daniel? Anyone? I thought well, about it. If if he doesn't play, like you're automatically lose <laughs> because he's not even in the game. Uh So no, but I'll, I guess I'll just start this off. MBB, I'll go with um I'll go with Akeem Hicks. I think that coming off the monster performance that he had against the Vikings and what he does consistently all season. He's going to be back and ready for this Thanksgiving dinner, and he's probably going to be the one who gets a turkey leg afterwards because that's just who Akeem Hicks is. So I think he'll be the MVP in this one.
0: Do they do that on CBS? Do they do the do turkey they? legs?
2: I thought they owe. I man, I'm now that I don't. Now I don't know. I thought it was the primetime NBC game. They should give him turkey anyway. Somebody give Akeem Hicks turkey after after the game. <laughs> Any Bears fans going to the game? Have a turkey leg ready and just toss just it to Akeem. Yeah. He'll catch it. <laughs> Yo, Akeem. <laughs> He was lined up as wide receiver last week, so he's ready. He's ready.
0: Absolutely. What about you, B? Who's going to be your MVP prediction?
1: I'm going to go to Taylor Gabriel. I don't think he gets shut out in this one. I think he has an over 100-yard receiving game, uh, and I think he's going to play a very vital point uh, because he's very good at helping quarterbacks uh, raise their quarterback rating, as I like to point out, I think, each and every week. I actually think I just pointed out a couple days ago, so I'm going to say it again because I haven't said it in a couple days. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is going to play a big part in helping Chase Daniel get comfortable.
0: What are you doing, Brandon? Are you, like, in the shower, like, washing your hair? And you're, like, Taylor Gabriel, like, oh, always upset waiting. Like, I have to say it. <laughs> That's me and trade That's first me. thing I say to myself
1: every morning when I wake up. Like, yeah, Taylor Gabriel's going to do good today. He's not even playing today, but he's going to do good today.
0: <laughs> there we go. Uh, for me, last time that we are going into the Bears-Lions game, I said it was going to be Tariq Cohen, but they found a way to hold him to only 45 yards on offense. But he did score a touchdown. I'll give him that. But I'm looking at how bad we torched them deep last time, so I'm anticipating the Lions trying to limit that, which should, in theory at least, open up plenty of room underneath for Tariq Cohen on some option routes against some of these linebackers. So my MVP choice, I'm going to go right back to Tariq Cohen. I expect him to find a way to uh, make a handful of big-time plays, and unless Matt Nagy, again, like we talked about, tries to utilize him as an inside zone rusher against the Lions, which was the thing that we saw just nine days ago, but... Uh, with his fumble last week, I'm looking for him to make a positive impact, uh, playing with a chip on his shoulder because he's a prideful player, and I'm sure that one's going to stick in his mind, not in a bad way, but in a way that's going to make him want to play a little bit more hungrier. So on a day in which it's a day about gorging yourself, I'm going to say that uh, Tariq is going to find a way to just you know, eat up the yardage on all three phases of the game, which is going to be why he'll be our MVB on Thursday afternoon which means, guys, it's time to predict the final score. And just recap our standings. I'm sitting at 7-3. and three. Nick and Brandon, you're at 8-2. and two. So since I'm at the bottom, I'll graciously step aside and let Brandon begin.
1: Uh, I have the Bears winning this one 23-10. I think that the Bears just give up those 10 points in the fourth quarter in desperation time like we've seen uh, without Marvin Jones, without Carrion Johnson. I mean, this, I think this line's offense is really going to struggle, and Chase Daniels I don't think is going to put up the same amount of points. I think he's nervous early, uh, so I have 23-10 Bears.
0: All right, 23 to 10 for B. How about you, Nick?
2: So I'm going to predict this score based off if Chase Daniel was starting 20 to 6. So the Bears are going to give up a field goal and not that touchdown in that garbage time. So 20 to 6, Bears. All right. Mine is a little bit closer. I have mine. Well, yeah, 21
0: 17. Detroit plays very well at home. Um, and that's something that we saw last week against Carolina. They're a little bit of a different. Animal. I mean, they're still Lions, technically, but they're a little bit <laughs> of a different animal at home. Uh, as we saw, they played a very good Carolina team, and they beat them. Um, so with Chase Daniel going, I don't expect the Bears to find a way to score um, as much as they did last time, over 30 points. Um, and in a short week, um, it would be interesting to see how much of a game plan they can install. I know Chase Daniel is smart, and I know he knows his system, which should be a benefit if he does end up playing. Um, but I'm curious to see exactly what kind of a game plan Matt Nagy can make for him. So for me, I'm going to give it 21-17. Closer game, I think the Bears' defense plays well, um, but Detroit's offense uh, finds a way to score, again, fourth quarter, like we've seen. So I say entering the fourth quarter, it's actually going to be 21 to like, maybe 10, maybe seven, and then Detroit starts shipping away like we've seen every other team do here in the fourth quarter. But for me, I do have the Bears winning this game when it's all said and done, which would be pretty remarkable to win three straight divisional games I mean, the very touch stretch, which I know we all circled when the schedule came out. I was like, ooh, that's going to be tough. And then they flexed us to Sunday night like, whoa, it just got a little bit tougher. But I still think the Bears, um, being the better team here, finds a way to complete the trio, the trifecta, if you will. Um, but let's go ahead and end the show here. Like we have all of our game previews so far this season, which is going to be with our confidence meter and our final thoughts. So Nick over to you, where's your confidence
2: again? I, I want to say I had a confidence meter around a nine last week against the Minnesota Vikings. I, I knew they were going to win this one. And regardless of who's at quarterback, regardless if it's in, you know, it's in Detroit on Thanksgiving day on a short week, this team is just better than the Detroit lions. They won a game against Carolina. Great. But this is a Bears team that has high aspirations to not just play, you know, regular season games, but playoff games, meaningful football in January. So that's why I'm going to give this one a nine and a half. The Bears are going to take care of business on a short week, even without maybe their starting quarterback, because that defense is elite. They have playmakers all over the offense and you have Matt Nagy. The Bears are winning this football game
0: real quick. I'm just looking at the chat here and uh, Adam H has uh Parky as uh the MVB fifteen to fourteen uh would be the final score. Parkey makes five field goals. <laughs> and then Tristan, our moderator, replied with, you know, like Jesus. I'm like, I
2: agree. That's a very <laughs> lavish uh prediction. Be I love so the confidence. Stressful.
1: So stressful to watch. Uh-huh.
0: Like, oh man, every time he goes out there.
2: Oh man. That would, yeah, that would be awful.
1: All right, Brandon, you're up. Even if, if Cody Parkey kicks five field goals, may not have any hair left, but uh uh <laughs> I think I'm going to give my confidence uh, like an eight and seven eighths. As long as they don't overlook this game, I think that they're going to be in really good shape. I don't foresee them overlooking this in any way. Like this is not a, uh, a game as we try to avoid that word because then they turn around and play New York, like Will said earlier in the show. So there's nothing really to look ahead to. They just have to be able to take care of business here on the short week. And I think that Matt Nagy does a good job of keeping his team focused and locked in week to week. Uh, so I don't see that being an issue, but it, as long as they, they come out firing and aggressive, regardless who's a the quarterback, then they're going to take this one, no problem.
0: All right, good stuff there for me. I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, short week, at their place. Lions always tend to come on and play in Thanksgiving, but still, we beat them convincingly last time. So if the Bears just don't let up, don't beat themselves. You know, We want to be you, but don't, don't beat you. I think that's going to be the big one this week. So if the Bears can play fundamental, like we talked about throughout the show, because the Bears are the better team. All they need to do is execute, and they'll win. Even if they have a backup uh, with Daniel, you know, they're just going to have to rely a little bit more on their defense. But as long as Chase can be that game manager, someone that we've envisioned him being within the system ever since the Bears decided to sign him in the offseason, we should be in good hands. And the Bears should be able to find a way to come away with this victory. I'm not going to say easily, but it shouldn't be all too difficult. All right, guys, that's going to do it, Bears fans. And I hope that you enjoyed this week's game preview. And if you're, of course, I hope that you're also enjoying this great stretch of Bears football. And just think about this. I tweeted this earlier today, and this really struck me. uh, Nine days ago, we were talking about we had a 741-day drought without a single win in the division. And on Thursday, Thanksgiving, we have a chance to snag our third divisional win in 12 days. Talk about a remarkable turnaround of events. Now, up next, it will be Thanksgiving, and again, uh, just in case you missed it, we are going to be planning on having a post-game show, but it's going to be a condensed version because all of us are going to be having family over. We're going to be, of course, celebrating the holiday, but still, uh, we plan on being here for you, giving you the content that you expect each and every week from us, and of course, um, we never want to go a week without providing you with one of our post-game podcasts. So in the meantime, enjoy the holiday. Eat a ton of great food because I know we will. And, of course, we're going to talk to you on Thanksgiving afternoon as soon as the final whistle blows. But until then, bear down, Chicago.